Hello, welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Jill Anderson, filling in for Matthew Weber. Today, we are here with Nicole Hockley, co-founder and managing director of the Sandy Hook Promise, a nonprofit organization created in the aftermath of the tragic Sandy Hook shooting in which she lost her six-year-old son, Dylan. The organization focuses on preventing gun violence and educating and empowering parents, schools, and communities on mental health and wellness programs. Welcome to the EdCast, Nicole. Thank you very much. So we'll get started. When people hear the word Sandy Hook Promise, they might assume that this is all about anti-gun efforts, but in reality, it's much more about raising awareness, looking for warning signs, interventions. Why are you focusing more on education than just policy? I think in order to create sustainable and meaningful change, people really need to be engaged in the issue. And the best way to become engaged in an issue is to know about it, realize that it is relevant to you and your community and your family, and know that there are actions that you can take. So the idea of preventing violence and within that gun violence before it ever occurs is something that no one can be against. If you can stop an act or a tragedy before it happens, if you have those tools and that knowledge to do so, that's a very empowering position, and it's, it's something that everyone in our society can take part in. And it sounds like, through what I've read, your organization has been doing a lot in terms of getting people involved all throughout the United States. I think I read that you've educated over 875,000 adults and children in every state total. You've gone to all of them, helped prevent a school shooting in Ohio, prevented several student suicides, set up several training programs, and partnered with some really large school districts in the country. What are you hearing most often from these educators? First of all, just to let you know, we've actually trained nearly one and a half million youth and adults so far. Um, it's, it's constantly growing. The, the education of the programs are in very high demand. Um, so the numbers are growing rapidly. And they're all audited figures, so we know that this is truly, that we can hand on heart say these people have been trained. What we're hearing from educators is that there is a need out there for steps that students can take and teachers that can take to help prevent violence. The idea of school safety and security is important, and a school needs to have plans. But that, is, that really comes into play when danger is imminent. In order of real prevention from, from ever, ever getting to that point, you need to have programs that teach people to know the signs of someone who's at risk, someone who needs help, someone who needs to be included, or how to recognize an, a, a, a threat for what it is and not just think, oh, you know, someone else is going to take care of that. It's about teaching us, every single individual, students or, or children, students or adults, how to have the power to look after each other and to help each other in order to prevent any sort of negative behavior pathway. Great. And so I imagine having that that power is a big key piece to this, feeling that you are empowered. Yeah, the students, the students that we go out and train, we get such amazing positive feedback about how they really feel they're making a difference in their school, in their community, that they know what it's like sometimes to feel alone 
or to have someone not totally understand them. And although it can be a little daunting to reach out to someone or to say something, they know that at the end of the day they're doing it for the right reasons, to help someone else. And that is a very positive feeling. We've seen bullying go down in some of the schools that have had the training to, to almost zero. We've averted a number of threats. The educators love it, too, because it gives the students power to look after each other, but it also teaches the teachers you know, some interesting tools that they're not always trained on in terms of how to recognize someone who might be going into crisis, might be considering self-harm or suicide, or might be considering some other form of violence, how to get them the help they need. So as parents, and maybe even anyone working with children, we fear one of our children being a victim, but also perhaps one of our children being a perpetrator of one of these acts. You know, how do you wade through warning signs to determine when to really worry and act? I mean, maybe that's, maybe you can talk a little bit about is, maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if, it doesn't do anyone any good to be in denial if you're seeing signs and signals in your child or in one of your friend's uh, children. Mm-hmm. You have to speak up because, believe me, you would much rather be a parent who says something and might be wrong versus someone something who doesn't say something and a tragedy takes place. If you're seeing like very overt threatening behavior, which is someone who is bragging about bringing a weapon to school and that they're going to hurt people, or who is making very overt um, signs and displays of um, suicidal ideation, absolutely have to take action immediately. You can't wait for something like that. But the other signs and signals, they can be the ones that build up over time. So we're looking at things like chronic social isolation. We're looking at things like chronic social isolation or chronic antisocial behavior, major behavioral changes and major shifts in the way someone uh, relates to those around them, being very over-aggressive or lacking self-control. This is a culmination of signs, but if you're seeing them, you need to watch them. And if you see more than a few in a, in a period of time, it never hurts to speak up because that could be someone who needs an intervention before the behavior continues. So tell us a little bit more about the role of social isolation and the Starts with Hello call to action happening the week of February 6th. Well, you know, every school and community across the state, there are young people who suffer silently because they feel left out or alone or invisible. And that's not to say that these people are all going to become violent. Uh, Of course, that's not true. But people who are chronically socially isolated can become a victim of bullying or other forms of violence, whether that's self-harm or harm to others. There's possibly depression as well. So Start With So teaches students how to be socially inclusive. We go out and we teach them how what social isolation look like and what's the difference between someone who just wants some healthy alone time and someone who needs to be included. How do you then reach out to them and how, what are sort of icebreakers and activities that you can do to be more inclusive and respectful of each other's differences in bringing everyone together. And it's a beautiful program. Students love it. The educators love it. And it, it's a very positive and empowering program that you don't even actually realize that what you're doing is is, is preventing violence, you know, self-harm or, or harm towards others. 
but it's uh, that's what we train kids to do. Just be inclusive, change the culture of your school, and you have the power to make that happen. And I should add that this is a free training program on your site, um, that educators can access this, schools can access this, kids can access this program. Absolutely. All of our programs are provided completely free of cost because we never want um, we never want money to be a barrier to saving a life. And one of the things I found really compelling is that you're using students instead of just focusing on educators, but empowering students to to be active in recognizing um, certain things in their peers and playing a role. So can you talk a little bit more about that approach? Sure. Well, first of all, students are very often seeing things in their peers that the adults in their lives are not, especially when you consider social media. Um, people are putting their, their thoughts, their anxieties, their fears and concerns all out there on social media, but the adults aren't necessarily all watching those same platforms. Mm-hmm. For one, one youth to be educated on what does a sign look like if someone is posting on social media that they're going to hurt themselves, we need to teach them how to take it seriously instead of thinking, oh, they're just acting out or they would never really do that or, you know, it can't be all that serious. They wouldn't tell someone that they're going to do it um, if they were truly going to do it. Mm-hmm. There's a big piece of education there. And also, you know, the, the idea of violence prevention has to be tackled on a, on a two-generation level. Um, educators and adults, parents, we need to know what the signs look like in our kids and in other adults. Kids need to know the signs because they're growing up and they're going to be the next adults. And if we can start early in training people how to be inclusive, how to see things, what these signs look like and how can we help each other, we've got a more positive future coming at us. So what would you say are the top three things schools can do to combat this issue? I think schools have an enormous amount of power in helping their kids create a positive and safe school climate and culture. So they can obviously bring our programs in. They're free to every school or community organization. They can download and lead it themselves, have the students lead it, lead it, or we can bring in our own trainers for the school and then help them sustain it. I think that's critical. I think also communication with parents is important because the, the kids are in school the majority of the time, so it's a tough point. But we also, you know, with our programs, we provide guides on how to do parents about that so that it can continue outside of school and in the community and over the summer months. Um, and also, I think the third thing for parents is just get engaged. Have conversations with your child about what's going on in their life. Be aware of their social media platforms. Be aware of what's going on with them and their friends. Listen to them, validate their concerns, and help them take action if they come to you. And what would you say about students? Is it is it similar, or what should students be looking for among their peers? Students should be looking for anything that kind of, you know, in their butt does feel right, mm-hmm. someone who is um, constantly being bullied or bullying someone else, someone who really responds overly aggressive to a minor incident, you know, they're lacking in their coping or anger management skills, or certainly anything that they're putting out on social, on social media that could be deemed as threatening behavior, whether they're threatening to hurt themselves or someone else at the school or, or someone else in their family. Mm-hmm. Students have this unique 
um, insight into each other's lives, and they need to realize that that is that's important, and that they have an opportunity and the ability to make a difference and, and keep their friends safe and keep their school safe. Um, if, if kids can just realize that, if students can realize that they have this ability within them and they just need the tools to unlock that, um, that's going to save so many more lives than we'll ever really know about. Great. So I didn't know if you had any other final thoughts that you'd like to share about uh, this issue? I people just need to know that gun violence and violence is preventable and that when you know the signs of what potential violence looks like, you do have the ability to make a difference. And Sandy Hook Promise, you know, we're here to help. So go to our website, sandyhookpromise.org, get involved, learn about the programs, and bring the free programs to your school. They're, they're easy to implement. The kids love them. The teachers love them. And it's an easy way to save a life. Great. You heard it here. Thank you, Nicole, for sharing these signs and telling us more about the Promises mission, its work, and the programs that are available to educators. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Jill Anderson. Thank you very much for listening.